0: who was expressing to me some of the challenges that that he had growing up in the home in which he lived that uh, his dad was not real encouraging. In fact, his remark was that that the only time he heard well done was when uh, he was asking his dad how to have his steak. (laughs) Dad, how do you want your steak? Well done, son, well done. Okay, just kidding. It's a terrible joke. That's not a true story. Nobody came to my office to share that with me. I'll work on it. Poor delivery, maybe. But here's the thing. There is something within our hearts that we want to hear well done, right? There is something within us. There's this this desire we have to know that we're appreciated. And that comes from God. But here's the other thing is, is not only does that come from God, but God fulfills it. And so that's what we want to look at today, is is where should our appreciation come from? Where's the healthiest place for that to come from? And and so as we continue our our message series this morning on who are we, we want to take a look at a message of we are appreciated and saved. We're appreciated and saved. And, And Paul has some wonderful things to kind of encourage us with in that way this morning. So if you have your Bibles... Hey, I hope you've got your Bible today. Um, Again, I'm going to reiterate, I need your help today. Help us clear out Bibles from the sanctuary. So if uh, you don't have your Bible, of course, you can use the one underneath your chair. Let's take it on home with you today. Give it to a neighbor, a family, a friend. Take out one, two, three, four copies. But help us clear out Bibles today. That helps us this week as we kind of reset for next week. Um, But I'm going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word. We are in the New Testament book of Ephesians. So that's toward the back of the Bible. Ephesians chapter 1 is where we're going to start, but we're going to go ahead and get into chapter 2 as well, a little bit longer scripture reading this morning. But we're going to start in verse 15. So Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 is where we're started. Paul writing to the the Ephesian church under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says, "'For this reason, because I have heard of your faith "'in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints,' And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him as a right hand in heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named. Not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, that we should walk in them. These are the very words of God. You may be seated this morning. A couple of weeks ago, we kicked off our new message in Ephesians with, with the message on, I am in Christ. And in this message, we learned that our identity in life cannot be achieved. It can only be received. This is so important. It can only be received from one source our Creator, Jesus. Our identity cannot be found in what we do, but in who God created us to be. In this message of I am in Christ, we found that we are all born into Adam, the first human. But we have this incredible opportunity to be born again in Jesus. And as we make this decision to be born again in Christ, we find that Jesus takes our place. Especially as we think about the cross, that he comes into our position and we go into Christ's. That's a bit of what Paul was writing about this morning in chapter 2. And as we live in Christ, we also find he sustains us. And he's the one that makes our life meaningful. He becomes the very essence of our lives, our hopes, our future, our joys, our everything. And then in our next message, the one we talked about last week, that I am a blessed saint. In Christ. We are blessed, and we are saints. That our primary identity in life as a believer, it's not sinner, but saint. And it's so important we walk in that. The Holy Spirit enables us to live as saints, and then we bear this responsibility to live it out, to walk it out. We had talked about how farmers, they partner with God to achieve a harvest, and how we are much the same in Christ. Jesus will do his part. The Holy Spirit will enable us to live as saints, but it's our responsibility to then walk that out, to live it out. Here's the thing. Jesus will do his part, but he won't do our part. In Christ, we are blessed saints. And now from our passage this morning, we also find that we're appreciated, We are appreciated. In Christ, we are blessed saints who are appreciated. Paul writes, I do not cease to give thanks to you. And now remember, Paul is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit here, which means these are not just Paul's words to the believers in Ephesus, although they are that. Paul is saying to these believers, I thank God for you. But Paul writing on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit means these words are for us too. And not just from Paul, but from God. God appreciates you. That's powerful. God appreciates you. God knows the sacrifices you make, the ways you're growing, the people you serve, the times you're generous, the impact you're making. God appreciates you. Isn't that profound? God appreciates the work that we do. So I want us to make that very personal this morning. God appreciates Mick and Deanne Dalton. How many know that God appreciates them? Amen. Amen. He appreciates the way they'll lead our missions council, the way that Mick serves faithfully every week in the food pantry. God appreciates us individually. How many know God appreciates Sarah Hiscox? She is now regretting sitting in the front this morning but he does. He appreciates your faithfulness to our youth and to this body. And how many know he appreciates Nairn and Suzanne Sloan? God appreciates you, my friend, the way that you love our young adults, the way that you love this church. God appreciates us this morning. We need to take that message very personal today. God appreciates us. He really does. And we can never forget that these words, they're personal. We can't just gloss over them and read over them and think that they don't apply. They do. So I want us to think about these words this morning, from Jesus to you. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith, Jesus says, because of your faith in me and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And that is Jesus for us. Jesus right now, we find in Scripture in Romans, it says it sits at the right hand, interceding for us, and he's thankful for you today. And I understand that some of you might have a hard time receiving thanks, but we shouldn't. I've thought about sometimes I have a hard time answering somebody says, good message, pastor. And I know in the end, they're not really my words, they're his, but you know what? It's okay to just say thanks, Right? But for whatever reason, sometimes we feel like we've gotta get into this, like, theological response. You know, we kinda, of, well, don't praise me, I'll glory to God. People turn this into some, like, theological argument. Well, you know, God is sovereign, it's all by His grace, I'm just His servant, He empowers me. You just wanna, like, hold up your hand and say, that's a lot of words. You can just say thanks, you know? It's okay. <laughs> I mean, to be sure, our lives and anything we have, our obedience, our faithfulness, we enjoy because we're empowered by his spirit. But God often chooses to work through people who desire to do his will, obey his commands, to lean upon his grace, and who are filled with his spirit. All glory to God, absolutely, but it's okay. In fact, it's good to show appreciation toward others. It is. This is why we try to do an annual you know, volunteer appreciation event, because we should be thankful for the people who serve alongside us and who are faithful. God is glorified when we worship him in the way we live our lives, which includes in the way we choose to show thankfulness toward those who faithfully serve Jesus and his church. It's good to show thanks. If you remember from last week, Paul writes the believers in Ephesus, and he encourages them to bless God who has blessed them. In other words, what Paul does first is he shows appreciation towards God and then he shows appreciation toward the saints. It's a good thing that he praises God and he appreciates people. It's a good example for us. And I think we should do the same. Is Laura Fear now in the room this morning? Raise your hand. Somebody's pointing. Hey, can we welcome Laura to the platform this morning? Shelly's going to come, too. If you don't know Laura and her family, they've been here for several years, serving, serving, serving. Is this your last Sunday or close to it? This is her last Sunday. They're moving to Mississippi for like 10 months, so we're just going to claim in Jesus' name they're coming right back here in 10 months. (laughs) Um, But Laura has served this church faithfully with our Moms Group, with Kids Cove, in so many different ways, and it's a good thing to show appreciation, right? So let's just appreciate Laura this morning for serving so faithfully. (laughs) Thank you, Laura. Look, if you're serving on our production teams, we so appreciate you. If you are serving on our music teams, we so appreciate our music team members. If you are serving in guest services, you are so appreciated today. All of our kids' workers, praise God for the way that they pour into the lives of our kids. I mean, we personally, Shelly and I, personally benefit from the way that our kids' workers and our youth workers pour into our kids. If you are serving in the food pantry, God appreciates the work that you're doing. If you are serving on our DMM teams, and we've got Bible studies in the community corrections, people prayer walking Cincinnati Street areas, God so appreciates the work that you're doing. you're serving on our missions council, helping us stay connected with all of our global partners, God appreciates what you're doing. As you think about our serving in the community, we've got people serving with Lafayette Urban Ministry, Lafayette Transitional Housing, Matrix, with Trinity Mission, and Gifts of Grace, all of these things, God appreciates what you're doing. So I want you to hear very personally today, God appreciates you. God appreciates you. And so when we think about this world in which we live, Where fame, reputation, envy, resentment, and hatred, that's the norm. I think it's appropriate that in Christ, we respond with joy and thankfulness toward God and other believers, right? What a good testimony to the world in which we live. God appreciates you. And so then knowing this, how should we then as appreciated people live? I had shared with you, because every one of these qualities in Ephesians that we're covering, Jesus in Christ. So in Christ, we are empowered to live as saints, to live blessed, to live appreciated. But then we also have this responsibility to live that out. You know that in Christ, we are saints, and we bear the responsibility to live as saints. In Christ, we are blessed. And so then we have the responsibility to live as blessed. In Christ, we are appreciated. And so then we have this responsibility to live as appreciated. God does his part, empowering us by his spirit to live as blessed saints who are appreciated. But then we've gotta walk it out. And so how do we do that? How do we live as appreciated people? Couple of important things I wanna point out here this morning. First of all, appreciated people. They exchange grumbling for praying. Appreciated people, they exchange grumbling for praying. When we feel neglected, taken advantage of, or taken for granted, we fall prey to grumbling. It's just what we do. Scripture makes it clear we should not grumble, so then how do we stop it? It's not like we can just, like, stuff it down, pretend we're happy and everything's okay. You ever encountered those people? You bump them, they looked happy, and then they throw up on you, right? Something's not right there. Like you're stuffing stuff down that should have gotten out. There's the prayer room. (laughs) So what's important is for us to no longer be grumblers, but prayers is we stop looking for people to appreciate us and start looking at Jesus who already appreciates us. Think about our savior, was Jesus appreciated? Not really. He was disrespected, neglected, and eventually murdered. Not really appreciated. The crowds didn't call out, appreciate him. No, crucify him. Like, different language. But notice how Jesus responds. He prayed for those who persecuted him. He maintained his faith in God the Father. Jesus knew he was pleased with him, that God was pleased with him. And he appreciated his obedience. So we can follow that example. As appreciated people, when we get frustrated, annoyed, or feel underappreciated, instead of responding with grumbling, we can respond with prayer. And by praying, here's what happens, as we protect our hearts from bitterness and anger. We really do. And prayer doesn't just change our external circumstances. It internally transforms our hearts. Appreciated people. What do they do? They exchange grumbling for prayer. But we also see that appreciated people, they exchange competing for celebrating. They exchange competing for celebrating. When we're unappreciated, we're prone to engage in unhealthy competitiveness. We become jealous of others. We can speak ill of them, question their motives, obsess over defeating them, and rejoice if they fail or suffer humiliation. But knowing God appreciates us, what does that do? It liberates us from wrongly competing with others and allows us to instead celebrate others' successes. It really does. So what do appreciated people do? They exchange grumbling for praying and competing for celebrating. But there's another thing they do. They exchange bitterness for thankfulness. When we forget that God appreciates us, and we don't feel appreciated by others, we can become bitter against God and people. Some people become bitter, and uh, they might even stop serving altogether. They give up thinking, if no one appreciates what I do, why try? Or or if people aren't going to be, if they're going to be ungrateful, then they can do it themselves. But others, they don't give up on serving, they just get bitter in the midst of serving and have a grumbling spirit. But the truth is, This is why I wanted to start this way. God appreciates everything that you do. And he sees everything that you do. Nothing is missed. Nothing is missed. So God appreciates us. And so then we can be thankful for that. Because appreciated people, what do they do? They exchange bitterness for thankfulness. And appreciated people, they exchange performing for serving. They make this exchange. That we live in this upside-down kingdom of God where greatness is not determined by how many people serve us, but by how many people we serve. That's the difference. This is what Jesus meant when he said, whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. Knowing God appreciates us allows us to exchange our performance for service. Performance, think about it this way, performance is done for the sight and approval of others, but service is done knowing God is watching He's approving whether or not anybody else is. Appreciated people exchange performing for serving. And lastly, what we find is appreciated people exchange boasting for encouraging. They exchange boasting for encouraging. Unappreciated people can resort to boasting in an effort to earn others' appreciation. That's unhealthy And unhappy. It's an unhappy path to walk down. That the underlying hope is that when people hear about the great things we've done and the sacrifices we've made, they'll be grateful and appreciative. But it rarely works out this way. If we truly believe God appreciates our service, we can stop boasting and simply start encouraging others. Because when we boast, what are we doing? We're using people for appreciation. But when our appreciation comes from God, we can start loving people and sharing ways on how we appreciate them. Appreciated people, what do they do? They exchange grumbling for praying. They exchange competing for celebrating. Bitterness for thankfulness. Performing for serving, and boasting for encouraging. So what that means is, is if you start to grumble, remember Jesus didn't grumble. Instead he chose to pray, and so can we. So the next time you feel like competing with someone, Remember, you are appreciated by God, and so instead you can choose to celebrate others' success. Instead of boasting of your accomplishments, try encouraging someone instead. And in so doing, you'll live out your life in Christ as a blessed saint who's appreciated. Because in Christ, we are appreciated. But we also find in Christ, we are saved. We are saved. In Christ, we are blessed saints who are appreciated and saved. We're going to keep building on that statement through the series. Reading from our passage this morning, this time in the New Living Translation, here's what Paul writes. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy and loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead among with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us, as shown in all he has done for us, united in Christ Jesus. God saved you. God saved us. This whole section of scripture from Ephesians chapter 2, it's an explanation of what it means to be saved. It's kind of a really neat synopsis of salvation. That we were dead in sin, living in it, headed toward final judgment, and God saved us. God saved us. But being saved, it's not a one-time act. What's important for us to understand in Christ is we have been saved, we are being saved, and we will one day be saved. We will. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, we have been saved. The work has been done. But then because of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, who makes us new and more like Jesus every day, we are being saved. And one day, either we will go to see him or he will come to gather us and we will be saved. We will be saved. But now I want us to look at what exactly have we been saved from? From our passage we find we've been saved from six things. This is all in Ephesians chapter two. We have been saved from sin, death, worldly living, satan, our old nature, and the wrath of god. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty good list of things to be saved from. Yeah. Lord help us in Christ. So let's break that down. We have been saved from sin and death. Sin and death. Death is first and foremost the penalty for sin. Because of sin, death entered the world. And it may be obvious, but death separates us from the source of life, the source of life being God. So death, in a very real sense, is separation from God, physically and spiritually. But thankfully, in Christ, we're saved from our sins, our evil hearts, and now the consequences of death. Because Jesus died, each of us can live a new life as a new person with new desires for the things of God, free from the penalty and power of sin. We're free from that. And because Jesus rose from the dead, we know we also one day will rise from the dead and be with Jesus forever. In Christ, we are saved from sin and death. And in Christ, we are saved from a pattern of worldly living. So a Christian is someone who turns their back on evil and who sets their face toward God, walking with Jesus in their new creation identity. We turn our back on those things that used to define us. In Christ, what happens is we're saved from the worldly way of living and now we're transformed to live holy lives. But we also find in Christ we're saved from Satan. Although Satan was ultimately defeated at the cross, his final defeat will not occur until Jesus comes again. We've talked about this. So in the meantime, he's still trying to war against us and God. But in Christ, we do not have to be defeated because his victory and authority are our victory and authority. I want to say this again in Christ, we do not have to live defeated lives because his victory and authority is our victory and authority. Again, going back to that first message, we are in Christ's position. He is in ours. That's powerful to be in Christ. So in Christ, we are saved from Satan. And in Christ, we are saved from our old nature. In the first uh, 10 verses of Ephesians chapter 2, Paul contrasts our old nature of what it was to be in Adam with our new nature of what it is to be in Christ. This is an incredible list. Our old nature, we were separated from Christ. In our new creation, our new nature, we are united with Christ. In our old nature, we were dead. We were dead. And now in Christ, we're alive in our old nature, disobedient to God. But now in Christ, because of his spirit in us, we can be obedient to God and the good life that he has for us. We used to be ruled by spiritual evil, but now we're sharing in Jesus's rule over spiritual evil. We were objects of God's wrath, we find in these verses, but now we're objects of God's affection. Why? Because we're in Christ's position. We find in our old nature in Adam, we don't always really understand the evil nature of our hearts. But now with the Holy Spirit active in our lives, we can start to see those things which keep us from full life in God. In our old self, we are walking in sin or evil, but in our new life, we get to walk in good works. In our old life, we're destined to eternal separation from God, but in our new life, we're seated with Christ in heaven. In Christ, eternity starts now. Yes. We're not waiting for it. If we're in Christ, we carry that into eternity. Amen. Look at that list. Are we in Adam or are we in Christ? I'm gonna keep saying, we wanna live in Christ. That's the place to be because in Christ, we are saved from sin and death, worldly living, Satan and our old nature. We're a new creation in Christ with a new identity. So that's what we're saved from, but who is it that saves us? It's not a hard one. Jesus. <laughs> but even if we know that answer, it is interesting to me that oftentimes we can seek other things to save us. We can. Through political parties, financial means, spirituality, all kinds of things that we set up in our lives to save us from things. But to be clear, what we don't need in this world is more politics, financial gain, or spirituality. We don't need more sinners trying to act like saviors. We don't, we need one savior and we have access to him. This is what Paul writes about when he declares, but God is so rich in mercy, he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Jesus is our savior. We don't need any others. He is sufficient. The theme of these verses is very clear. God saves us through Jesus as an act of mercy, love, and grace. God does the saving. The very name Jesus, in Hebrew, Yeshua, it actually means God saves. God saves. Jesus alone is our Savior. Apart from him, no one is saved. But then, we know what we're saved from. We know who we're saved by. But what are we saved for? That's the last part of these verses. In Ephesians chapter 2, after Paul established our victory in Christ, we are victorious in Christ. He gives us the reasons why God saved us. Here's what he says, New Living Translation, Ephesians 2, verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. There is no one else like you, either before in history, in current day, or to come. You're it. There's only one like you. And what does he say about you as a masterpiece? He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He's planned for us from long ago. God is weaving this incredible tapestry in this world in which we live. Your life is a thread in it. And He's got these good works for us to walk into. And it's just then upon us to discover what those good works are. It's like this incredible adventure in Jesus. (laughs) Jesus, what are those good works? That we've been saved to a new life in Christ that's meaningful, valuable, and purposeful. So if you're in Christ, Jesus has saved you for something. I love that Jesus saves us for himself. That's what he does. Jesus saves us for Jesus. And it can be the joy of our lives discovering exactly what it is that we have been saved for. It's why we've encouraged so many people in our congregation to go through the book Find Your Place by Rob Wagner and Brian Phipps. If you don't know your gifts that God has given you, if you don't know the passions that he's put in your heart, if you understand that your story is a part of God's story, when you put those things together, you start to discover and discern what it is those good works God's prepared for you. So if you don't know what those things are, I encourage you, You can go through that book if you want. But in the end, if you get plugged in, you'll start to discover what it is that God's done and what he's prepared you for. So have you found your place? Pastor Jim, a a couple of weeks ago, we had a Serve other Sunday and a number of people signed up to get plugged in in different places. My encouragement is find a place to serve and then evaluate. Am I fruitful here? Am I fulfilled here? Am I fruitful and fulfilled? And if that matches up, praise God. You're starting to enter into the good works that God has for you. If you missed that Sunday, you can always go to connectionpointchurch.org. On the top menu bar is a button to serve, and lots of ways that you can serve the kingdom of God, either here in the local church, or in our local community, or far around the world. Lots of ways to serve. My encouragement is find your place, because you have been saved, you are being saved, and you will be saved, and you've been saved for something. It's upon us to discover what that is. In Christ, what do we know? We are appreciated and saved. We're appreciated and saved. So I told you at the end of every message, we want to make these declarations of who we are in Christ. Because if you know who you are, then you know what to do. You really do. If you know who you are, you know what to do in every situation. And so we're going to keep building. And I'm wondering at what point the train falls off the tracks. Because that's going to be a long list of things. But right now, it's not too hard. It's four words. In Christ, we are blessed saints who are appreciated and saved, right? That's what we covered. So here's your quiz. We're going to try it. When I say, who are you? We should say, it starts with in Christ, right? Because it's all about in Christ. In Christ, we are blessed saints who are appreciated and saved. So who are you? In Christ, we are blessed saints who are appreciated and saved. Amen amen. So may we live out that reality this week. I wanted to close today with a poetic prayer from St. Patrick. Shelly and I were in a meeting about a week ago, and somebody had prayed that, and it is such a good poetic prayer of what it means to be in Christ. If if you don't know the story of St. Patrick, Patrick was born in England, And at the age of 16, captured by Irish raiders who carried him off into slavery as a herdsman in Ireland. And he spent six years as an Irish slave until he found opportunity to escape and return to England. But after a few years, he had a vision of a man coming from Ireland with a message that the Irish people were asking for his return. And so after he committed several years to biblical studies... Patrick did return, this time not as a slave, but now as a Christian missionary. And Patrick, he was not treated well in Ireland, but in spite of his hardships, he is regarded as the founder of Christianity in Ireland today. And because of this, many, many Irish people have chosen to follow Jesus. But but I found this poetic prayer of his, of which he obviously gained much strength from, because it was a hard work. And here's what Patrick prayerfully wrote, Christ with me. Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of every man who speaks of me, Christ in the eye that sees me, Christ in the ear that hears me. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in Christ. We are in Christ. And I just, uh, as thinking about that prayer, wondered, as people see us, as people hear us, do they see Christ? Do they see Christ? So may we not only understand who we are in Christ, but may we live it out as well. I invite you to stand as we close in song this morning. And as you stand, maybe you've realized this morning that you've been living in your old nature in Adam but you recognize this morning that you have this incredible opportunity and the desire to live in your new nature in Christ. And it's only as we make this decision to follow Jesus with our lives that we're enabled to live that way. So as we close this morning, I want you to consider, are you here and you're ready to say, I want to follow Jesus that way? I want to be in Christ. I don't want to just live in Adam. We're all born into Adam, but this incredible opportunity to be born again in Christ. So with every head bowed in the room, just want to pray with you before we leave today. Who here today would say, I want to live in Christ? I want to follow Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. Just raise your hand and pray with you before we leave today. Who here today would say, that's me? I want to live in Christ. I want to follow him over here on the right. Anybody else that would say, I want to live in Christ. Here in the middle, anybody else? Say, I want to live in Christ. I want to live in Christ as a blessed saint who's appreciated and saved. Jesus, we just thank you that you are willing to come to lay down your life so that we can live in you, that we can be in your position as you took ours. And so God, I just pray for those that raised their hand this morning. I pray that by your spirit, they feel overwhelmed today at the blessing of being in you, appreciated and saved. So God, I just pray that you help us to live like you everywhere we go. Trusting you, Jesus, by your spirit, by your power, overflowing in our lives, that that's who we can live like. And Lord, we just trust you for that work today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you raise your hand today, you know, sometimes our guest service members or one of our prayer team members, they may, as we close in song, just come alongside you to be willing to pray with you and and really just answer questions you might have about what it looks like to follow Jesus. Because if you made that decision today, that's not just a one-time thing. So you were saved, but now we are going to be being saved, that Jesus is going to help you become more and more like him as you follow in his footsteps. But we don't want you to do that alone. So... As a a guest service member or a prayer team member maybe comes alongside, feel free to just talk with them as they lead you to what it looks like to follow Jesus for a lifetime. But let's go ahead and close in song today.